you can always connect with us at fathomchurchjacks.com and on all your social media platforms as well as on YouTube. We just want to let you know about a new weekly podcast that is now available to you called Fathom Beyond Sunday. Very different from our normal sermon podcast, really just um, some casual, engaging conversation on faith, life, and following Jesus between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. Everyone doing all right today? Everyone's good. We're so glad that you're here, and, and um, I'm not here on my own. I'm here first and foremost on, on my family. Uh, sends me here, my wife and my, my two daughters. My son is with me, Grant. Go ahead and put our picture up on the screen so everyone can see that um, my kids get their good looks from their mama, which is, which is great. But um, my oldest daughter, Eden, in the middle there, she's at uh, getting her master's degree right now. Um, up in Virginia, and my other daughter, Emma, on the far left, graduated high school. She just started college, and then uh, my son, Grant, is with me, is a freshman in high school, and um, it's just an honor to be able to be here with all of you, to be able to be able to connect with everybody online as well. And uh, I'm also, as, as Pastor Kyle said, um, not only am I here on behalf of my family, but I'm here on behalf of Pastors Matt and Sarah Keller at Next Level Church. Um, it was in 2002 that they planted Next Level in Fort Myers, Florida, came from Indiana, small town in Indiana, and, and had this dream in their heart to plant a church just like your pastors did. And by the way, you have amazing pastors here at Fathom with Pastor Kyle and Taryn. Come on, absolutely. They love you. They care for you. They're, they're praying for you. Their hearts are after you. Um, but my pastors, Pastor Matt and Sarah, um, when they planted the church, it wasn't too long afterward, realized, like, this is not easy. Um, planting a church, leading a church, pastoring a church, and they recall the story, they tell it regularly, of sitting on the edge of their bed in a small 800-square-foot apartment on the wrong side of town with their two kids and literally tears flowing down their face, crying out to God, uh, feeling alone, feeling hopeless, and feeling clueless of how to lead a church, and cried out to God and said, God, if you let us live through this, and it was a question at that time, but God, if you let us live through this, we'll do whatever we can to make sure that no ministry couple ever has to do life alone. And that's when really the relational network was birthed. And so when my family planted our church in New Jersey in 2008, we quickly got connected um, with Pastor Matt and Pastor Sarah. And um, just long story short, God wove our, our paths together. We transitioned our church in New Jersey um, about four and a half years ago and moved down to Fort Myers to come on staff and be a part of what God was doing there to help lead um, this network of uh, over 90 churches now all across the United States um, and in Canada. Um, we've got a church in Italy. We've got a church in Guatemala uh, that we're connected with as well, a church in China that we're connected with in Serbia that's actually in our groups as well. And so God is continuing just to stretch us out to care for pastors, the pastor ministry leaders so that they can lead healthy and high-impact churches. And that's what we're doing. So it's my honor to be able to be with Fathom Church today as we're in this series that says, I'm not okay. And I'm not gonna ask you if you've said that Anytime over the last six months, because I know you have, and if you said you haven't, you're a liar, and you're in church, and you have to repent, we just did communion, and I don't want you to have to do communion again. We've all at least said, like, something's not right. I'm not okay with this, right? I'm not okay with what's going on. I'm not okay with what's around me, but also the idea of saying, I'm just not okay. I said this last Saturday morning. I got up just a little bit early, got outside, and had a bunch of landscaping to do. And um, it was 10.30 in the morning. I'm thinking, it's not even the heat of the day yet. It's 10.30. And uh, we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting at our church. Today is actually day 21. I get to eat 
a little bit more. Like, thank you, Jesus. But I'm outside, and I'm doing some yard work, and my son Grant is with me, and we're out there, and I've got the, the hedge trimmers, and I'm just trimming things. I'm just, you know, doing work outside, and, and all of a sudden, I just got really lightheaded. I got really dizzy. I actually thought I was going to pass out, and I, I, I got up, and I'm like, I'm not okay. Literally just said it out loud. I'm not okay. Went inside and drank a bunch of water, got in the AC, sat 30 minutes later, and I'm still, I'm still struggling, and, and no matter how much water I drank, it felt like I'm just, I'm just not okay. And again, I know we've all said that. I know we all feel like that. I, I, we all feel we're not okay with what's going on, but but I, I would say that there's times where it's, it's deeper than just our circumstances around us. That there are times where we, are, we can physically feel ourselves change because of maybe something somebody said or something somebody did or just woke up a, a certain way and we just feel off and we know that we're not okay and we're thirsting for something. And Jesus, in John chapter 4, we're going to be looking at the, a story uh, of a woman in John chapter 4 that was not okay And Jesus says this to her in John 4, verse 13. He says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Anyone who drinks this water. But those who drink the water I give, they will never thirst again. They'll never be thirsty. But the water that I'm going to give will become a well, a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Life. Can we pray? Just ask God to bless his word. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. God, your word changes us. Your word changes everything. Your word lights up every dark area of our life and helps us to see the areas that were not okay. And God, we ask you to do that today. God, would you be with me as I share, as I communicate? God, help my tongue to be as the pen of someone that's ready to write. I'd speak only those things that you have for me to say, and let each one of us have ears to hear what you would say, Spirit of the living God. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I said that about four years ago, too, that I'm not okay. And it wasn't because I was lightheaded or or anything like that. I, I said it because there was some unhealed emotional wounds going on on the inside of me that were causing some attitudes and some actions and, and just a, a way of life that was not God's best. It was, it was ungodly. It was not how he wanted me to live. And I remember being in this place of just of longing for acceptance, longing for affirmation, longing for approval. And we all have that area in our life where we, where we, where we need that. God's actually created us with this, this thing on the inside of us that's longing for approval, that's longing for affirmation, that's longing for acceptance, but it is an area of our life that can only truly be filled by God. No matter who's in our life, no matter how wonderful they are, no matter how much they love us and communicate to us, there is no way for any human being to ever satisfy fully this longing on the inside of us for acceptance, for approval, for affirmation. And so Jesus is, is on this long journey. He ends up at a well, and he's sitting there. His disciples go to, into town to find food uh, for him, and they, they're all gone, and it's just Jesus there. And while he's sitting there, a woman is coming out to draw water from a well in the heat of the day, which was not typical and was not normal. But Jesus was expecting her. And this woman is walking to this well, and she's broken, She's in brokenness. There's, she's an outcast from her community. There's all kinds of pain. There's a cycle of sin in her life that she can't seem to break. She's tried everything that she's known to do, and she can't seem to break the cycle of sin. 
And as she's approaching this place, Jesus asks her this question. He asks her, tells her about this water that he has to give her. And Jesus is saying to her, again in verse 14, those who drink from this water I give will never be thirsty again. And she's struggling with this. And here's, here's a question I think every one of us ask on a regular basis. Can Jesus truly offer me something better than what I already have? Think about that for a moment. Can Jesus truly offer me something better than what I already have? Because when Jesus offers us things, if, if you're familiar with Bible study or with Scripture and you've read your Bible and you see what God says belongs to somebody that follows Him, you see, we can see the promises of God, but for some reason, we still seem to hold on to the things in our life that we think can fix our problems or can solve our problems. But look what Jesus, Jesus says to this woman, because as she shows up in her brokenness, Jesus has an appointment. His, his heart is to be with her in her disappointments. He, he, he has an appointment with this woman's disappointments, and he has an appointment with your disappointments. He has an appointment with, for you today, for each one of us in this room and online right now, no matter where you are online. If you're maybe driving in your car, maybe you're on the treadmill at the gym, maybe you're sitting in your living room, wherever you are right now, maybe Maybe you're at work right now, and you're listening, you're watching. God has an appointment with us today. Those areas of our life where we're broken, where we're not okay, he has an appointment. He wants to meet with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to speak with us. Look what he says in verse 10 of John chapter 4. He says to her, if you only knew the gift God has for you. Think about that for a moment. Even say it to yourself. If I only knew the gift that God has for me, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. This is what Jesus says to her, if you only knew. But look what she says to him. She says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. Somebody say rope or bucket. Turn to the person next to you and say, you don't even have a rope or a bucket. Come on, tell them. If you're online, you can say it to somebody as well. You don't have a rope or a bucket. Now, I've got, I've got five buckets behind me that are all strung together with rope. So this was, this was how this woman, woman drew water from the well that she was at, that Jesus was sitting at. And she had, she had her way of drawing water out of that well. And she's looking at Jesus, and Jesus is telling her, listen, I've got a solution for your, for your soul-level problem. I have a solution from your, for your brokenness, is what Jesus is saying to her. I've got a way for you to be satisfied to never have to draw water again. She goes, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Where would you get this living water? And besides, she goes on, do you think you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? And now look at the next question that she asked Jesus. How can you offer better water? Say better water. better. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? How can you offer better water? I want you to think for a moment where Jesus has offered you something, a solution to an area of your life, a solution to the problems of your life, to your brokenness, where you've recognized I'm not okay, and Jesus is offering a solution to your problem. 
And, you, and we question, we become skeptical. We question, does his solution truly satisfy? Can he truly give me, offer me something better than what I've already been doing for myself? See, we're often skeptical of the soul-level solutions that Jesus offers. We are often skeptical of what Jesus is presenting right before us. It could be communion this morning. And I know it's hard to take, and, and we do it at Next Level as well. It's hard to take the little cup with the, with the plastic that you've got to peel back. It, it takes prayer and fasting to even peel back that first layer. If anybody knows what I'm talking about. I know, I know every one of us, please, Jesus, help me to get this open. I need, I need communion today. And it's, it's, it's not just a, a, a simple solution to a simple problem. Jesus is offering real solutions to our soul-level issues. He's offering real solutions to our brokenness and to our hurting and to our pain. But we can be skeptical of it. Does this really work? Does prayer really work? Does it really work to say, Jesus, have every area of my life? Does it really work to ask Jesus to, for forgiveness? Does it really work to get on my knees and say, I'm sorry? When I've come with my own agenda, I'm sorry. When I forgot, Jesus, that you're enough. Does it really work to sing and to worship to him? Does it really work to put him first in our finances, to bring him the first 10%? Does that really work? Does it really work to confess our sin? Is he really faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness? Does it really work to confess my sin to someone else? so that they can pray for me, so that I can be healed. Does it really work? And she's skeptical. She's skeptical. Will his solutions work? But look what he says, and we read it already. Verse 13. Jesus replied to her question, can you offer better water? Do you have something better than what I've already been doing? I've been coming to this well. I've been using my own bucket. I've been using my own rope. I've been coming to this well, drawing water, and, and it satisfies for a minute. I've got to come back, but at least it, there is some satisfaction with it. You're offering me something. You're saying that you've got something better. Does it really work? And he says to her, anyone who drinks this water, anyone who uses a natural solution, who grabs a bucket and a rope and lowers it down on the wall. You've tried a natural solution. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And that's exactly what she needs. You see, what's really interesting about this, this woman, and as she's coming to this well, she's coming in the heat of the day. She's by herself. And if we've learned anything in theology of studying scripture and even in history of studying times and the way communities function at this time, they did not go anywhere by themselves. The community was close. It was tight. Everybody knew everything about everybody. All the women would go down to the well at the same time because there's safety in numbers, and they would assist each other, and they would help each other lower their bucket down in and pull it up, and, and, and one, they would all kind of get on the rope and, and do it together. They'd pull up the bucket, and they'd keep filling each other's vessels so that they could take the water back, and they would be there, and they would have conversations. But this woman, she came to this well all on her own, by herself, at the worst time of day, in the heat of the day. And I know for myself, it was anything like last Saturday when I was trying to do some yard work, it would be very difficult to be out in that heat, drawing that water, trying to pull it up all by yourself. But that's what she did. And the reason that she did it alone is because she was an outcast in her community. And the reason that she was an outcast in her community is because her sin, her brokenness, unlike many of us, was not hidden. 
The people knew her reputation. She had probably gone to that well after some failure in her life at the time where she normally would at that early time in the morning and got at that well and saw the looks from the other women and probably overheard some conversations and, and maybe some were just bold and even spoke to her right at that well. Maybe her sin had affected even some of the other women in that community. And so she would go down to this well to avoid. She would go down to this well at the time of day that she went to avoid seeing people, to avoid any shame. And she was in a routine of her life. She knew she was not okay. But she had adjusted her life in just enough way that her surroundings would not constantly remind her of her pain. She figured out a natural solution to a soul-level problem. But Jesus doesn't want to give us a surface-level fix to our soul-level problems. The fix that Jesus has is not surface-level. So even when we say, just ask God to forgive you, confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin, he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness, that's true. But that's not just a quick, boom, something like that where you're just, all of a sudden, all of the, all of the soul level issues that are deep inside of you are just fixed, you, you've been forgiven of your sin, but there might still be something that Jesus wants to heal you of. Even for us, when we've said yes to a relationship with Jesus, some of us maybe in this room or online right now, and, and you're online, and you're still trying to figure out if you're going to take that step. And maybe somebody told us at one point, just pray that prayer, and everything changes. It's, a, it's just easy. Life is easy after that. And if you've said yes to Jesus and lived a little bit after you said yes to Jesus, you know that that was a lie. It's not just easy after that. That's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross you gotta, you got to die to yourself. We die to ourselves, and we lay it down. But Jesus is wanting to get to the heart of this woman. He doesn't just have a quick fix. He wants to get to the depths, and he can. That's why he was sitting at that well. The reason Jesus was sitting at that well that day is by the Spirit of God, he knew that that woman would be coming. He knew that he had an appointment with somebody's disappointment, and he was waiting for her because he knew what he was offering truly could fix her problem. He knew that his life, his presence, his words could bring healing and hope and help. He knew an encounter with him, an encounter with a living God could change everything, and he he knew that, and he was waiting for her, and I'm just telling you today, God is waiting for you. He was waiting for you to step into this room today. He was waiting for you to log online and to watch this, or maybe you're even watching it later. He's waiting for you, and his word wants to pierce your heart. His healing power wants to go deep into your life. And I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be afraid of, of exposure. I know what it's like to, to, to open up and to confess some deep things in our heart, but I also know what it's like to have a loving Father God who's right there to wrap his arms around me, to love on me and to care for me and to forgive me and to bring healing and hope and help. And Jesus knew that that's what he had to offer this woman. See, she thinks that Jesus is offering her some special drink, some special magical solution. And I'm here to tell you today, and I know your pastors say the same thing, there's nothing magic about what we do. It's just the presence of God. It's just the power of God's word. The writer of Hebrews says, and this will not be on the screen, but he says in, in, uh, in Hebrews 4, 12, he talks about how powerful God's word is, that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Now, that means that it cuts going in and it cuts going out. And it's able to separate what is joints and marrow, what is flesh, what is soul, the intents of our heart, and, and our spirit. 
That's what God's word is able to do. Because we're three-part beings, if you haven't noticed. We're, we are a spirit. That's what's eternal. We have a soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we live in a physical body. And the word of God is powerful enough to determine, to help you understand what all is going on on the inside of you. And that's what Jesus is doing with this woman that day. So look what happens, because she finally says, as he says, I've got something, I've got something good. She finally says, what, can I have some of that to drink then? Give me that drink. Look what he says to her. He says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. She says, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, well, you're right, you don't have a husband. Now he starts going deep. For you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Jesus is saying to her, you've, you've experienced all kinds of pain. The person you're with is not your husband. You've had five husbands. Five different times. You have tried a natural solution to a soul level problem. Five times you've come to this well, you're right, you've got buckets and you've got rope and five times the fifth time ended and you tried a different solution. The husband thing's not working. We'll just keep on, keep on going but ultimately you're going to come to the end of your rope whether it's in relationships, whether it's in finances, whether it's in parenting, whether it's in our career and our job, if there's ever been a season in the history of our lifetime for sure, it is this season to realize that I can't put my hope in a career, I can't put my hope in a job, I can't put my hope in finances, I can't put my hope in government, I can't put my hope in politics, come Lord Jesus. Today, before November, come Lord Jesus, before November. Anybody praying to just come back? Can we just, can we just be done? Like, we can't put our hope in anything else. We can't put our hope in what, what has been consistent and normal because there is no more consistency and there is no more normal. And we can recognize we're not okay and we can keep coming to our natural solutions and trying to figure out another way to do it. But we're just going to show up there and we're just going to pull up some water out of something and we're just going to be thirsty again. We're just going to be broken again. You see, what I love about Jesus, and he does it for this woman at the well, and he does it for every one of us today. What I love about Jesus is he's not afraid to confront the painful places in our lives. And the reason he's not afraid to do that is because unaddressed pain cannot be healed. We can keep going to another bucket. We can keep trying another solution. We can keep trying to find another way to numb, whether it's Netflix, whether it's, whether it's food, whether it's our toys that we have, whether it's our, our trips that we like to take, whether it's the treats that we like to eat, whether it's the temptations that we continue to give into, whatever it is. We're, we're trying different, just surface level, just, just natural solutions, things that we have power over, things that are in our own hand to try to fix the fact that we're not okay but I'm just here to tell you today, it does not work. And we know it doesn't work, but we don't know anything else. But I just want us to know that Jesus is offering. He's offering something powerful. He doesn't want us to hide out. He doesn't want us to come by ourselves to a well in the heat of the day anymore and struggle even more to try to cover up our shame. He's wanting us to know that he's right here and he's not one that just wants to judge you. 
What's amazing is when she says to him, I don't have a husband. He didn't go, oh, I know who you are. You're that woman. You've got five. You've had five. He doesn't do that. He doesn't get in her, in her business like that. He humbly, graciously, and mercifully reveals to her by the Spirit of God a word of knowledge. He knew something about her that he didn't know any other way but by the Spirit of the living God because Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure when he was in the flesh on the earth. And he knew. And thank God he knew. Thank God he knew. When we hide our pain and our shame, it just keeps us in a cycle of sin and we'll never get free. We'll never walk free from it. But he meets her without judgment. He meets her in the deep wounds of her life. He meets her in her pain. He meets her in the sin cycles because he's not afraid of what's going on in your life. He's not afraid where we're afraid to confess, where we're, our stomach's all upset and we're nauseous and we're hurting and we're, he's not afraid. He's not afraid of your sin. He's not ashamed of you even in your sin. And you want to know why? Because Jesus paid the price for it all. He knows that what he did on the cross is more powerful than anything that you could ever do in your lifetime. Let me say that again. He knows that what he did on the cross in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection is more powerful than anything that you could ever do in your lifetime. No amount of whatever you could do, no amount of husbands, no amount of relationships, no amount of failed attempts to do things on your own, no matter how much sin, no matter how much pain. He knows he's more powerful than any of it and all of it. And so I can imagine, as, as maybe you and I are, you're around somebody that this kind of looks at you a certain way, and immediately they're like, oh, no, they know what I did. Oh, no. You ever been around somebody like that? They're like, you know, they're a person of prayer, and they're, maybe it's, it's your pastors, and, and you walk in the door on a Sunday, and, and you, you, know, you know what you did. I want you to know 99.9% .9 of the time, we have no idea what you did, and so you're really going to have to confess to us, but there might be that 0.01% that we might know by the Spirit of God, but that's what's going on. Can you imagine being with somebody that you've never met before? And just says to you, that's right, you've had, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. You've, you've, you're right. You're right. You didn't steal that one, but the five other pair of shoes that you have or the five other, you know, packs of gum that you have or whatever it is, you stole that. You took that. You said that. You acted that way. You watched that. You looked at that. You did that. You went there. You consumed that. You took that trip. You touched those. You, you used those toys. You, you, whatever it is, whatever the sin area of our life could be, Jesus is right there, and I'm sure it messed with her. I'm sure it caught her attention. And so something changed in her. So she says this in John chapter 4, verse 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ, when he comes he will explain everything to us. And look at Jesus' response. He told her, I am the Messiah. I am he. I am the Messiah. Verse 28, the woman left her jar. The woman left her bucket. The woman left her natural solution to that soul-level problem. She left it beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, telling those that she sinned against, telling those that she had failed in front of and knew her, 
telling those that, that knew that she was an outcast, telling the very people that she had been going to the well in the heat of the day to avoid. She's running back to the community, and she's telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? She's running into town to say, all of my sin and all of my pain has been exposed. It's all wide out in the open, and I have not been judged. I've been forgiven. I've been loved. I've been cleansed. I received healing from the Messiah. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so people came streaming from the village to see him. They come running into the village to see this man that told her everything that she ever did. And that's who he is. That's our Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity just to, for you to receive prayer, for you to pray where you are, for you to pray online. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come forward. You're going to have opportunity just to, re- to spend some time with Jesus, maybe to receive Jesus, maybe to allow his presence to heal you. But I, here's what I want us to realize. When we show up to a place Many of us, we've been, we've been dragging buckets along the road and the journey of our life. We've been, we've been dragging bucket after bucket from a first relationship, a first career, a first job, a first friendship, and we're putting our hope into it. And instead of drawing water from Jesus, we start drawing water from our natural solutions. We start leaning on our own abilities. Maybe somebody tells us, hey, great job, you're really good at that. And that becomes a bucket in our life. Or maybe we meet somebody and they, they speak to us in such a way that, that causes us to, this becomes really important to us. And we start holding on to this bucket. We start holding on to the next one. Maybe this one finally ends. They're like, wow, that didn't work. And we're without a solution. And we, then we find another bucket, another relationship. Another job, another career, another solution. Maybe it's in our finances. And we're like, wow, just that little piece of plastic can get me what I want, can get me that toy, can get me that, that treat, can get me that trip, can, can ease that temptation. And we grab onto that and we use it. And all of a sudden we realize, oh, that's not enough. And then there's another one. And then another one. Today I want us to be like this woman at the well. I want us to be in a place where we can say, God, I'm not okay. Jesus, I'm not okay. And I need you. I need you right now in my life. Just stand to your feet with me right where you are. I want to just bring us to a place of prayer. If you're online, right where you are, I just want you to, as you can, if you're driving, don't close your eyes, but you can go to an attitude of prayer. If you're, I wouldn't close my eyes on the treadmill either, so however you're doing this, just be safe. But I want you to open your heart to him right now. I want you to see yourself with all of the natural solutions, all of the buckets of life that you've been bringing along, all of the ropes that you've been bringing along, and and I want you to find yourself at the end of your rope right now in this moment to recognize outside of Jesus, there's no way that I can do this. I want you to see all of the natural solutions, all of the ways that you have been trying to solve the soul-level problems in your life, and I want you to see yourself at the well right now. I want you to see yourself, close your eyes if you need to, but I want you to picture Jesus, a loving Savior God, who's right there, and he's not here to judge. As we come to him and we open up our heart and we confess, I want you to open up to him. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl at this room and online at the sound of my voice, God, and I ask that you would 
reveal to them the true cause of the hurt in their heart, whatever might be there. For those of us that have been following you faithfully and we've confessed our sin and we've been aware and there's a self-awareness even, God, I pray that you would take us deeper. You'd go deeper into our hearts today. God, we bring ourselves before you and we open up our hearts to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Kyle, would you...